He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. E aku whakataitai ki te whenua e aku ihorai, nei rā te mihi kia tātou katoa. The series Mā Tangiraya explores the political careers of former Māori MPs, and what better way to do that than to sit down with them for a candid conversation. However, in May this year, it was announced that Harete Hipango would replace National MP Nick Smith, who stepped down officially on the 10th of June. Harete Hipango shares her story with Mikey Sherman. I am the daughter, the mokopuna, the mother, the sister, the cousin, the auntie of my whanaunga in Whanganui. I'm the former Member of Parliament for Whanganui, the first Māori woman elected into a general seat in Whanganui, and I simply carry on the duty of care of my tūpuna. Ko hāri tihi pango takuingua, he uri ahau no Whanganui. Are te ngā mihi nui ki a koe, te ngā koe mou ko tae mai nei ki tenei o ouna whare, uh, ki te kōrero ki a mātau o Mātangireia, ngā mihi nui ki a koe. Me koe hoki, Aki. I wondered if we might start with your name, Harete Mākerehi Pango. Tell me about the whakapapa of that ingoa. Harete Mākerehi Pango. It's a name both my mother and father chose. My mother is Eileen Mary Shaw, and she's third-generation Irish New Zealander. My father, Hwaini Wirimu Hipango, is Whanganui Māori and Scots ancestry. So mum and dad named me Hārete after Tupuna on my father's side, Mākere after my mother's sister, whom she was very close to and was like a mother to her younger sister, and Hipango, Tupuna name, no Whanganui. And paint me a picture of your childhood. What was that like? Ah. Immersed in Whanaungatanga Maiki, so I grew up at Pūtiki, at the mouth of the Wanganui River. Mum met my father when they were both New Zealand Air Force, down here at Pūneke at Shelley Bay, and she was one of the first Pākehā, actually, in the Ngāti Pūneke um, Māori group, they were called in those days, Kapahaka. My father's Anglican, mum's Catholic, so in order for my father to marry my mother in those days, he had to go through this transition of... Catholicism and learning about the Catholic Church and faith, but was never baptised Catholic, retained the Anglican Hokapapa heritage because that's part of Putiki, the village I grew up in. But also my mother, um, because being Pahia, and this is in the 1950s, marrying a Māori and into a Māori family, I think my mother had hard days too because she was a South Island woman and so mum became very dislocated from her family because she married a Māori. And so we didn't know much about my mother's ancestry. We were, we were immersed and we lived amongst my father's people. And so, of course, we took on that identity of being Māori. But I always acknowledged the dual heritage of both my mother and my father. Was there much te reo Māori around you as a child? No, ka, ka. And my father, again, was a product of that era. And my father went to the Anglican school, St George's School, as a little boy. And when he spoke Māori, he had it punished out of him. So we grew up as a result of that, as a consequence of that. And Dad's 
strove in his later years in life to speak the deal, but we didn't grow up immersed in that. And that doesn't deny in any way whatsoever our identity as being Māori. Um, we were immersed in that. The deal was around us when we were down at the marae, but we never spoke it, or it was never spoken around in the home setting. What about politics? Was there much talk about politics around the dinner table as a, as a child growing up? No, not with my parents. Mum considered it was very impolite to speak about politics and to ever find out how much somebody was earning or anything like that. Because I was exposed to it when I was amongst the Wairafano and with the aunties and the uncles down at the marae. I remember as a 16-year-old, actually, Mikey, Waitangi Day, down at... Motor Gardens, now known as Pākai Ture, and that was about 1980, 81. And my koro, Hori, was the rangatira of Whanganui in those days. And he was there inside the gardens with all the dignitaries who were Pākehā. And outside there was a protest movement of Māori. That's when I first saw and was exposed in real-life terms by being present, the police moving in, forcing back a peaceful protest just with banners and placards, no, no sense of violence whatsoever. I was so outraged by that. I went in to in a sanctum of where all the Pākehā dignitaries were gathered with my koro, and I said to koro, koro, you're the chief. That is wrong. I want you to go and do something about it. So that's when I first took some sense of proactive action about it, and he came out and he settled it down. So I decided from there, Mikey, I thought, Maybe that's my purpose and calling in life. I, I was cleaning law offices at the time too. My mother was a legal executive or secretary working in one of the older legal firms of the day. Never did I think for a moment that I'd be a lawyer working there. But it was on Waitangi Day, about 1980, I saw that action of injustice and I decided then, maybe that's my calling, I'm going to study law. So that's what I did. In 1995, Hipangos community became the focus of the Tinorangatiratanga movement when Terunanga o Pākai Tore repossessed the disputed land block of Motua Gardens. Hipango, now graduated from law school, found herself at the centre of the conflict. I was working as a criminal defence lawyer in the courts and the courthouse was positioned on the lot of land, the area, Motua Gardens, Pākai Tore. And so that 79-day occupation, I was there from beginning, planning stages right throughout to the end when we marched off. And there were a lot of tensions because working in the courts, but also down with our people on the ground, we had a real cause and a kaupapa and it was a sense of grievance about the land, which was under just district council and crown governance at the time. And so I haven't spoken publicly about this, but... The journey that I went on was one of real struggle and hardship because I was treated appallingly by the justice system, by the police, by the court staff, by the judges, by my colleagues, because I was a Māori woman and I was down there amongst my people. But I was also seen by my people, some, as kūpapa because I worked in the courts but they didn't understand that I was working in the courts with the purpose of helping our people. And there were a lot of our people who were arrested. And many people may remember the beheading of the John Balance statue. And I got a phone call two o'clock the next morning from my cousin Mark, and he'd been arrested with one other whanaunga. 
and so I represented them in court the next day for a bail application. I was assaulted by the police in the courthouse because I was Māori, no doubt in my mind about that at all, whatsoever. They were out-of-town police, and I remember the name, I've never forgotten, of the officer who commanded as I was walking through the door with a Pākehā lawyer colleague and my colleague. I felt a sense of abandonment, walked on, didn't stay to say, no, she's fine, she's an officer of the court, leave her. So I got, I got searched, I mean patted down, the full-body search, by male police officers. I had two police officers come up to me to restrain me physically. Then I had about another two come up and my arm was forced up behind my back and they body slammed me up into the wall. Then I got sort of frog marched out of the courtrooms and literally the police got me and they threw me out. I wasn't resisting. I was just asking, why have you done this to me? And I couldn't think of any other reason. Is that racist? I would say yes. I was helping our people because no other lawyer at the time was prepared to do it. I was the duty lawyer doing it. So, so I know the justice system intimately from both sides, really. After 25 years of working as a lawyer, in 2017, Hipango was selected to contest Whanganui for the National Party after being approached by former MP Chester Burroughs. So the National Party, I had been asked several times. Both my parents had died by this time. My children were, all three of them, um, were independent. They'd finished their college schooling. This freed me up because it's always, for me, has been about whānau and our community first. So I turned to Tariana and I said, what do you think? She said, yes, Hariti. Yes. And I want to talk to you then about being Māori in the National Party. What is that like? It doesn't come without difficulty, and I knew that. But also, at the time when I joined the National Party, as a candidate, John Key was the Prime Minister, leader of the National Party. And then when I was elected in, Bill English was. And I know that they both had due regard for the relationship with the Māori Party and with the Māori Party leaders at the time. And that they had a recognition, they were cognizant of the importance of the changing face of Aotearoa as a nation, I believe. Uh, with the change in leadership, my goodness, in the three short years that I was in, the, in Parliament as a National Party Māori woman MP in a general electorate seat, five leaders, John Key, then as an MP, Bill English, then Simon Bridges, then Todd Muller, now Judith Collins. What a rocky, turbulent ride that's been for the party as well. But for me, and um, as Māori within the National Party, we need to position ourselves in certain places and spaces to be able to influence. What about the National Party Māori supporter? Because there are those out there, but they're not as vocal or as visible as supporters with other parties. Why do you think that is? I think, in part, it's because there's not enough Māori within the party. Māori, on the global and national scale, as contributors to Aotearoa, and particularly now in the economy, we are big punters. And uh, it's time for Aotearoa... It's over time, actually. It's overdue. And I think 
Um, money talks, money has influence and power. Not all of us have money. We have resilience, we have education, we have the ability to navigate the turbulent competing waters and tides that go with it. The Māori voice in the National Party is still yet to be truly valued, I believe. That's coming. And it's about the people who are positioned into seniority within the party, recognising that for what it is. Because I was going to ask you why you think it isn't valued at the moment. I believe it's valued by some, but not by enough. And it is a case that the representation of Māori in Parliament is at the highest numbers that it's ever been. It's a good thing, but we need to have a better spread because governments come and go. And come the time when there is a change of government, we need to have more of a better spread than what we do now at the moment. Yeah. Is that something you've raised with the party, the need for more Māori? It's something that I'm working on and we are working on. I want to talk a little bit about the policies here in Parliament that you were a part of in terms of the debates, the euthanasia bill and the abortion law reform. Mm. Those struck a chord with you, didn't they? They did, and they do with many, not just me. And... I'm mindful, you know, I've been elected predominantly by Pākehs in a general seat as a woman of dual heritage, so I've spoken more about my Māori values inside, but those values aren't um, in isolation for the rest of us in Aotearoa. They're values that we all benefit from. But I spoke because, Mikey, again, I was nurtured and shaped the importance of valuing life and people. What was distorted by the media, whether it was out of convenience or not, is that I was speaking from a pro-Christian viewpoint. They were remiss in not recognising, and I spoke about this in the House, my legal eye lends training um, and application. So I spoke to those bills premised on looking to the detail and the letter of the law. And that's what my job is to do as a lawyer. I had for years worked as a person trained in the law to apply, to ply, to bend, to work the lawyer, as would be of benefit and advantage to my clients, the people I was helping and advocating for. I was then, at the time, in the place of Parliament as a lawmaker, as a legislator. So I had a responsibility, as does every other parliamentarian, to make sure that whatever law is shaped is done in a way that is legally responsible but is also responsible about protecting our vulnerable. The duty of the state is to protect and look after, after its weakest. It's not always about the rights and the liberties and the libertarian movement of this is our freedom of choice, we can have a right to choose. Well, yes, but so long as it's responsible and it's not deemed at the life or expense of others. So the media played me out as being pro-Christian. I'm not anti-Christian in any way whatsoever, but it wasn't from the perspective of a person trained and skilled in the law. 
and that's what my training, my job was to do, and I articulated that, but it wasn't portrayed that way. I'd worked in this space with young women who had abortions and the impact that that had had on their lives and their whānau lives as well. I'd worked in the area of end of life and palliative care, mental health units, psychogeriatric units. I had worked in that space for years and I had drawn on that to say, here's a parallel of the shaping and actual safe legislation in place and how it can have effect to protect our people while still permitting the ability to have some level of choice, not at the expense of other people's safety and protection. What about your comments that the Prime Minister was supporting full-term abortions? Was that too far? The comment that was made there in the context, again, it was distorted. And the context was, again, that looking at the letter of the law and the letter of the law permits that to happen. That's not too far. You're speaking with a woman who is a lawyer here. And you're speaking with a woman who will call it out for what it is. The media, you are so powerful. And if you go down a certain line, you can portray a person to be something that they're really not. And I learnt that as a politician. I've also learnt as a politician that there is a place for, I talked about respect, there is a place for diplomacy. There's that place no matter what political party, I will always have a place for the relationships, the whakapanaungatanga. And just because I'm a particular political party doesn't mean to say that I don't hold due regard for my colleagues in the House. And the regard for them is not only about them, it's about their tupuna as well and about where we take, whilst we're positioned here, what good and better we can do in terms of empowering our communities and our people. Who were your allies in Parliament, those you would turn to for support and advice? I would go home. And from a practical point of view, it was about observing, assessing, learning the terrain, learning the art of politics, learning the treachery of politics, learning the importance of integrity that needs to be with this place. My integrity comes from my old people and from my parents and then it's up to me as to what I've chosen to do with that. So allies, in my office I had set up the bookshelf and in that bookshelf I had our our whānau, our hipango kahu kiwi laid there and the hipango mere paunamu laid there and then positioned just beside them, photos of my tupuna, my great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father, and my deceased brother, Wata. And having that visual but obvious presence in the office was really important for me. So there were days I'd go into my office and I would just stroke the kahu and the mere and hold the photos of my whānau. That does sound rather lonely here. Yeah. And you've mentioned the word integrity quite a bit. Did you feel as though you could trust many people here? You trust your instinct. Mm. Yes, it is lonely. It is lonely, um, but... One has to immerse into the setting to learn how to survive. 
Election 2020 will go down as one of the worst results for National. What was it like for those of you in the thick of it? The campaign was disrupted and disruptive. It wasn't tight. It wasn't a collective. People were going off on their own kaupapa and course. Out of adversity, though, come good things. And it's about having the mindset and the way of moving beyond. So it's the learnings that come with these things, Mikey. My concern always comes back to how's it going to affect our people on the ground? How's it going to affect our, our communities? The, the struggles and the hardships, are they going to be lessened in any way with what we're moving into, what we're embarking on with the policy sets and formulations? I'm a firm believer that we've, we've got to empower our people, our communities. And I've worked in the area with people who know how to do that. So during the COVID period lockdown. My views don't always, my views have never aligned with many of my um, caucus colleagues. I'm not in there to be a yes and a no to their views. I'm there to challenge and to test because I've been selected, elected by my community and articulate and be their voice. But my community, as I say, is Māori and Pākehā. But um, out of the 2020 election, my concern is for Aotearoa, my concern is for how our people are going to come out of dependency. Are there going to be more or less jobs? The jobs that are there now at the moment, why are people not taking them up? We're struggling to get people to work. Why is that? Why are we so locked into this level of dependency on the state having to keep providing? Um, and I'm not saying that a, a one-fits-all scenario, but I do know from the communities that I come from that I've grown within... Māori community, legal community, business community, and the importance of how policies impact on that, whether we can grow the business to nurture and sustain others to grow with it. Yeah, I'm concerned for the direction that the country's going in and whether we continue to have this handout mentality or we start more of the resilience and investment in our people on the ground. Following the demise of Todd Muller's short-lived leadership, Hipango was given a significant promotion by his successor, Judith Collins. But it wasn't enough to return her to Parliament. In the red wave of the 2020 election, Hipango lost her seat. And National didn't gain enough party vote to return her as a list MP. Do you hope to come back to this place, perhaps at the next election? Whether it's the next election or not, my hope and my desire to d make a difference is still there, Mikey. Whether it's in this space, in Parliament or not, is left to the people. I've still got a few years and levels of service to give. So wherever that might be. Three years went by too quickly. Not nearly enough was done and achieved. There were things that I achieved for our community when I talk about our community, bearing in mind I'm in a general seat, Whangane electorate, um, politics is a, bit, is a numbers game. And I saw and I learned, and that for some people can compromise their values. That's not easy. And I tried never, and I hope I never did compromise my values. But politics, uh, democracy is a numbers game. So you're chosen by the will of the people and the voting power of the people. I came to be here because the reality is the majority vote was the Pākehā vote. So 
What I managed to do in the time that I was here wasn't just solely about me, what I achieved. It was because of the relationships that I had with other people. My colleagues who were in government and in other ministerial or portfolio responsibilities, being able to just call it all and say, this is going to be good for our community, our community, which is my community, and for others as well. So whether it means coming back to Parliament, time will tell. Time, time is a teller of all things, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Well, we shall see. Tēnā koe, kawaihoa ki ki konei, atawa kōrero. Ngā mihi nui. Kia ora, Mikey. Thank you. Tēnā kōrua, hare te hipango with Mikey Sherman. And of course, hare te hipango is back in Parliament following the recent resignation of former National MP Nick Smith. Mā Tangirea is a political legacy series. The podcast and video episodes are available now at rnz.co.nz. Hei tērā wiki, me tū hono hono mai ki te kōrero, a hone harawera. I think Kahungunu and Te Arawa talked about marching to to Wellington. So a group of us met, and as we talked through the options, that particular night it became clear to me we were marching. And I think that was the fire that lit the Māori Party. I knew then, on March the 6th, the very next day, I knew that day that there would be a Māori Party. I would be the candidate for Taitukaro and I would be going to Parliament. That's next week. A kātia ke mō tēnei wā, kia ū te manawarere, tēnā tātou katoa.